Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions Magazine. Now, we all know that protecting employees from safety and environmental hazards is just the right thing to do, but business needs cannot be ignored. So going beyond compliance, how can an EHS manager demonstrate to business stakeholders the return on investment of their efforts, or to put it another way, what is the return on safety in the organization? Well, we're talking with an expert today who can help us better understand return on safety, from proper safety investment to experience modification rates. So our guest today, Mark Woodward, is a senior safety and risk trainer at Missouri Employers Mutual, a safety company and Missouri's number one workers' compensation insurance provider. Throughout his career, Mark has instructed tens of thousands of workers on how to improve workplace safety and prevent injuries on the job. He's a certified safety consultant through the state of Missouri and a National Safety Council CPR first aid and AED trainer, defensive driving instructor, and OSHA outreach trainer in construction. He is also president of the Missouri chapter of the Common Ground Alliance. Mark also spent 24 years as a volunteer firefighter in EMT, so he knows the importance of safety firsthand. He is also a frequent guest on the Work Safe podcast from Missouri Employers Mutual, where he's provided insight about safe driving, safety, leadership, and more. So, Mark, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome, Justin. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So, in the U.S., we have laws requiring companies to have policies and procedures to keep employees safe on the job. Plus, as I mentioned earlier, keeping employees safe is the right thing to do. But does following safety best practices actually benefit companies? So, Mark, how does the return on investment or the ROI break down? Well, just a couple of quick thoughts on that is we're going to save money and we're going to save lives and our employees' health. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, you know, that just that's just a quick, quick summarization of that. We, uh, you know, we think that the avoidance of any injury, uh, any damage, and avoidance of fines uh, is going to result in, in in quite substantial cost savings throughout multiple areas of, of any business, any size mm-hmm. of business. Um, your cash and your people are being put to use in uh, in more productive business business growth work so we can actually go out and do our work and not have to deal with all of the the drag of an employee injury or all the cost Mm -hmm. and all the resulting fines so you know these companies they have an injury they're going to get fines by osha you know they we have to report you know loss of an eye we have Mm -hmm. to report amputations we have to report hospitalization so when these Mm -hmm. things happen you know there's a good chance you're going to get a visit by osha you know, when our companies experience fines and injuries, you know, our, our people are spent cleaning up these messes instead of actually working and being productive. So really the main thing is, is we're going to save our folks. We're going to keep them out there working and doing a good job. And then we're going to save money that will, you know, will obviously allow the com- company to grow. Um, two ways of looking at that is hard, hard savings, hard costs and soft costs. So a hard cost and you know, in this discussion is any cost to your organization that you can easily track and is billable. You know, so we, we see insurance premiums, you know, insurance premiums and work comp can, can grow substantially. And we'll get in that discussion with, with the EMOD rate. Um, you have insurance premiums in your general liability of, across all of your, your insurance fleet. If we wreck mm-hmm. a, a fleet vehicle, uh, we wreck a 
company-owned vehicle, you have your work comp. Okay, so all lines of insurance could potentially go up. Um, you know, you're looking at reduced exposure to fines by governmental regulators. So if, if an injury does occur and you are required to report that to OSHA, there's a really good chance they're going to come out and, and respond to that injury. So right there, you're looking at a fine. Uh, then you have repair work. So if I wreck a company truck and injure a worker, not only do I have to deal with, with work comp, but now I've got to fix the truck. And, uh, you know, and then damage, you, you know, you've got damage and, uh, and rework. What did we, what product did we mess up, you know, during the incident? Mm-hmm. So those are your hard costs, those expenses to your company that are easily tracked and billable. Then you look at the soft costs. And these are things that really, you really eat companies alive. You know, we talk about the iceberg effect, you know, mm-hmm. you're only going to see the top 10% of the iceberg sticking through the, the water. Um, sticking out of the water, but everything below the waterline, 90% of these costs are, are difficult to track. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we're looking at avoiding injuries, we're also, you know, we have an employee hurt. We're going to have to hire new help. We're going to have to hire temporary help. We're going to have to train them. We're going to have downtime, loss of business or, you know, loss of business just, just because we can't get the work covered. Mm-hmm. Loss of jobs. Okay. These are all examples of soft costs that can be avoided. Soft costs are difficult uh, to track, difficult to assign a, a dollar value to. Mm. And uh, it just really hurts us. You know, right now, just about every industry is experiencing difficulty in hiring employees. Uh, trucking, nursing, you look at all these, uh, all of these different in- industries that are having trouble hiring people. Then when we do hire them, they're injured. That's a really big problem. So, you know, return on investment uh, through safety, you know, it's very difficult. I mean, insurance carriers, safety experts, folks over the years have, have always tried to prove the value of safety. And it's very difficult to prove what didn't happen. Mm. But, you know, when we look at the risk management aspect of things, when I mm-hmm. am doing safety, I am doing my safety meetings, I am providing safety gear, I am enforcing good safety policies throughout the company. I'm providing my employees with equipment and good, you know, good equipment. It's well-maintained. Those investments, usually, I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see that return. You're going to see lowered injuries as a result of those efforts. So, mm. so let's, let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I guess it would be the soft costs as you described them. Uh, some of the less tangible benefits of workplace safety, like things like maybe does trust lead to higher employee retention? Uh, are healthier employees more productive? Things like that. Well, absolutely. You know, it's easy to, you know, when I I talk with, you know, I talk with employees all the time. I do tons of work with our customers and groups and industry groups. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I talk with a lot of folks and they, your employees are going to know when you're skimping on things. Mm. Um, Your employees have probably worked for another company that has done safety meetings or required safety gear. You know, these, they know uh, what's going on and they can tell, you know, when you, you just plain old don't care, um, right. you know, when you don't want to get a truck fixed or a tire fixed or you're making folks work with junk equipment or, you know, not wanting to provide safety gear, they're going to know this. And, you know, safety is the ultimate moral and ethical obligation. How could you, you know, how can you sleep at night right. when you know that your employees are working in a life and death situation? And that could be in a, a tire shop where a tire could explode or a trench that's too deep that could collapse on somebody or, you know, a confined space or even driving, uh, for company work, uh, and they're not wearing their seatbelt. So, 
you know, the employees are going to know when you're, you're being wishy-washy on safety. So, mm. you know, the biggest thing I can recommend for folks is, is, is business owners and supervisors and managers is just to take the time, take some extra time out of your day to make sure that your employees are taken care of. Um, this is going to improve trust. It's going to improve productivity. You're going to have less turnover. You're going to have more uh, uh, honest and open communication, you know. Mm. Uh, so that that's what I believe. Employees are going to know quite quickly when they're working with an, for an employer that just really doesn't, doesn't care or see the importance in, in these things. So then, you know, we get an employee injured. Well, everybody stands around, looks at each other and says, yeah, we've, we've talked about this. You know, how come we didn't fix this hazard? So, mm. so those are some thoughts there. Right. So would you say that safety is a short or a long-term investment, or I'd imagine a little bit of both? It is a little bit of both. Mm. Um, start start today with safety. Start today. Talk to your employees about safety. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just get them together. Sit down and say, it's, it's hot. We're in July. What do we need to do to make sure that we get through this job without somebody getting getting too hot or getting sick? You know, right. start today. You can have a safety meeting today, and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be very technical. You know, I think people think that safety meetings have to be this long, drawn out, one hour, two hour, four hour thing. They don't. Just sit down and be real with your employees. Have sit down, have a coke. You know, I don't care where you're at in the shop or out on the job site. Just <laughs> sit down and just say, listen, what do we need to do? You know, keep an eye on each other. Um, that's a short term thing. Just sitting down immediately. You know, buying safety gear. I mean, I can. You can get on any online vendor anywhere and get get safety gear bought. Um, mm-hmm. You know, toolbox safety talks, providing safety gear, and making sure the employees use it. That's another short-term thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do any good to buy buy safety gear if you're not going to make sure that it's actually being used. That's a short-term gain. Uh, mm-hmm. Providing necessary training to employees. Um, if I've got folks out doing trenching or confined space work, there are confined space or there are competent person classes all over the place mm. that you can send your folks to to get them the right education. You know, making repairs, that's another safety thing we can do today is make sure the lights work, make sure the horns work, backup alarms. Right. So we can do these things. These are the short-term gains, the short-term investments that we can do today that, that don't take, it just doesn't take a lot of effort to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... That's sort of your day-to-day thing. You know, one of the things that I stress when I'm doing safety meetings is let's make sure every day is a safety win. Every day. We have things that we need to do every single day to make sure that we're going to win. And and by winning, we mean everybody goes home with no incidents. And that is following safety rules Mm -hmm. that you probably already have, just following those rules, having a quick safety meeting. I don't care if it's 30, 30 seconds long. Let's have a group huddle and and talk about safety wearing the safety gear and if something's broke let's make some effort to get it fixed that's something that we can do every single day mm-hmm. making sure that we all have a good day now long-term strategy and that is what the company as a whole is doing over the next year two years five years mm-hmm. to make to, to get those cost savings um to make sure we're keeping our turnover low, improving our hiring practices, growing the company. So it's going to be very difficult to grow the company if we're having all of these injuries and all these problems with personnel right. dragging us down. Mm. So some things that, that we think about are, you know, 
what is our turnover now? What what should it be in a few years? How can we improve our turnover rate? Mm-hmm. Reducing exposure to litigation. Mm-hmm. Better morale and reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. Lowered insurance cost. Mm-hmm. Increased budget allowances for safety training. Mm-hmm. You know, safety gear, safety training, equipment, and process improvements. So there's there's sort of your long term thoughts with regard to safety. Okay. Safety touches every single aspect of your organization. Right. And it's it's a quick way. Safety is a really quick way to fix communication issues, to fix to fix a lot of personnel issues. Is by making sure your people are safe, a lot of other problems get fixed as well. So yeah, short-term gains, you know, the short-term stuff, it can be done today. And then if, as, as you want to grow and as you want to make the safety, safety program a little bit more complex, you know, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Of course, the trick is getting people to make these investments. So uh, how can people in roles like safety coordinator, EHS manager, or even HR manager, if they are also in charge of safety, you know, roles like that, how can they use this return on safety to support safety initiatives with uh, – well, to gain the support of uh, safety initiatives with senior management or executives. Well, you know, we, we talk about this quite a bit here. And, you know, I just think about the human behavior aspect of things. So, you know, return on safety, the, the biggest thing, you know, the biggest thing that we can communicate, you, you know, as a safety director myself, I want to prove to the company that I add value and that I'm saving the company money, that my position right. actually has value. Mm-hmm. And it's not one of those that, that, that can be cut during a downturn in the economy, mm-hmm. that I'm providing return on investment for my payroll for what it costs to have me in this organization. Mm-hmm. So the main thing I recommend for all safety folks in, in environments where you're part of part of uh, a larger organization, if you're a, a you know a, a, an EHS manager, safety safety director, that kind of thing, is really document what you're doing to make things better. And I recommend regular reporting on proactive and reactive safety and work comp activities. Okay, regular reporting mm-hmm. to the executives on what's going on with the work comp policy and what are you doing proactively in the safety program to prevent things from happening. And one of the things I've noted in, in in my tenure here at MEM is a lot of executives really don't know what their their current insurance expenses are. They really don't. They're focused on mm. finance and sales, and they're focused on their their thing, but they may not really truly mm-hmm. know what's going on with the work comp policy. So taking some extra time to break down what you're doing to reduce work comp costs. Mm-hmm. So regular reporting, proactive, reactive safety safety and work comp activities. Uh, sharing a little more info and detail on your different lines of coverage, providing a clear report is is going to result in better executive support because they're concerned about dollars spent. I know this, they're concerned about employees, but they're also concerned about dollars spent. So let's talk about that. What can we do to show savings, to show cost savings? So let's report on what we've been doing. Um, Show cost savings facts. Okay, so factually, what has been going on in the company? Regular and routine reports on what I would call state of the safety program. Current work comp costs. Report on how each claim was managed. Open claims, closed claims, and how your management of those work comp claims ended up saving money. Mm -hmm. 
report on those savings. So MEM, we offer a bill repricing program. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 have a network of of uh, of providers that we use that can help save money. Mm-hmm. We have a nurse triage program and we have a nurse case management program. All those programs help save money. So if you're using a carrier mm-hmm. that offers these programs, report on that. Say, hey, I'm using these these carrier services to save us money. Mm. Provide reports on safety improvements. So every safety improvement you make, if you take a machine out of service and put a better, safer one back in service, document that, report that. And what I like to do also is specifically what was unsafe about this process or what was unsafe about this machine, tool, or equipment. Now, what I do with that is when I document this, I also report what, if OSHA were to find this machine, what would my find? If they were to discover this hazard, what would the fine be? Mm-hmm. Or would it be a serious fine? Would it be a willful fine? Would it be an other than serious fine? Mm-hmm. And then I will literally put in my report, listen, I took a grinder out of service. It was a junk grinder. It was back in maintenance. They've been using it for two or three years. I found it. I took it off the workbench, threw it in a dumpster. We went out and bought a new grinder. It has all the guards. We're in good shape. It cost me 150 bucks to buy a new grinder. Mm-hmm. Well, but if OSHA would have found that grinder... Yep. I mean, that's an easy chump change fine for OSHA to find, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, that would have been a $4,000 mistake. Wow. So I'm going to put in there that I may have avoided a $4,000 fine during a walkthrough inspection. So I'm trying to assign a cost to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, provide a report on training provided. You had your employees, and let, let's say in the last month I provided you know, 16 safety meetings. Well, if you had an outside contractor come provide those safety meetings, how much would that outside contractor have billed you? So I try to assign that cost as well. So I'm an in-house guy doing safety training, but if we had hired a contractor, it would have cost this much. So I'm looking at being very detailed at my work in my work comp costs Mm -hmm. and being very detailed in my safety activities, what I've done to make things better, what, you know, and then what fines would we have avoided? Then I'm also looking at my safety training. What's the street value for that? So I'm trying to put all these numbers together to just show my value. This is what I'm doing. Right. So as, as part of a corporate corporate organization, as, as part of a larger company, I really recommend that safety folks keep a very detailed log as to what they, what they do through the day and that they can show value at least – at least showing a return on the investment of having their payroll and then let's keep it going to, to show even more savings. So, okay. So you mentioned a couple of times, um, you know, workers comp and insurance costs and how, you know, often they're overlooked by senior management or executives. So let's talk about, uh, the experience modification rate or the EMR or EMOD Mm -hmm. for short. So what exactly is an EMOD? Could you give us a, a high-level overview for someone who doesn't know how the equation works. Uh, how does it impact how much a business is paying for workers' comp insurance? Well, this may be an oversimplified way of looking at it, but EMOD is a is unique to work comp insurance. It essentially okay. punishes organizations for having too many injuries, mm. and it rewards organizations that don't don't have many in- injuries at all. Mm. So. And that's all based on dollars. So if you have a bunch of injuries and you're spending a lot of money through the work comp, you know, policy, mm-hmm. your EMOD rate 
could could go up. And if you're not spending a lot of money, if you're doing what you need to do from a safety standpoint, then your EMOD rate's going to fall, and that's going to result in savings. Mm. It literally is the EMOD or the, the work comp system rewarding folks for safety and punishing folks for not doing safety very well at all. Mm. That's that's literally what it is. Okay. So it rewards businesses for having fewer injuries, and it also makes businesses more appealing for work comp insurance carriers because they're less of a risk. And that's another thing to think about. Um when your mod rate is really low, it makes you super attractive to, to the carrier. So every year when your renewal comes up for insurance, you're going to look a lot more attractive to carriers and you're going to get way better pricing. So not only are you making things safer, you're reducing your work comp costs, but you're even reducing your work comp costs further because the market sees you as a very appealing customer because you're what they call low risk. You're not going to have a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. So everybody's winning at this point when we have a low mod rate. Mm. And this number, this number, this EMOD rate number is, is, is calculated by NCCI, National Council on Compensation Insurance. They calculate the mod rate. It's based on losses, based on dollars spent through losses. And we multiply your premium times this mod rate, this EMR, and we come up with the final premium. So... If you want me to explain this a little further, um, I can. But one of the things that I, I, I basically, I, I want folks to understand is a 1.0 EMOD rate is average in industry. 1.0 it means you're like 1.0 means you're like everybody else. So if you're a, a concrete ready mix trucking company, you're compared against like size concrete ready mix companies. Okay, you're you're not compared against librarians or firefighters. You're compared against like-sized companies just like you, which is that's your competition. Mm-hmm. So 1.0 okay. is average. That's like a kid getting a C grade okay. in school. We don't want our kids getting C grades. Right? Right. We want them to get A grades. But but in this case, you want the number to go lower, not higher. Right? Yeah, we want it lower. We want them in yep. the A rating. So a 0. 0.8 mm-hmm. or a 0. 0.9 mm-hmm. is going to be an A or a B. Okay. So a, a, a 1.0 email rate means you're paying suggested retail price for work comp insurance well nobody likes to pay suggested retail price how many people walk out on a car lot and just pay the sticker price just, you know nobody does that we we always try to get a better price on everything business owners know how to do this you're buying your fuel and supplies and everything mm-hmm. from from a vendor that gives you a better price well that's what you want to do with work comp uh, you don't want to pay suggest, suggested retail price okay so anything over 1.0 means you're paying more for for insurance, anything under 1.0 means you're paying less. So, in my example, if we have a, con- a contractor, a framing contractor, has a 1.16 EMR, that basically means you're paying 16% more than the average. Mm. Well, who's the average? Well, it's it's another framing contractor, just like you. Right. So nobody wants to do that. 1.16 plus the carrier may be adding other fees to you. Mm-hmm. You know, ba- based on your risk, right? Because you're more of a risk when you're at a higher EMOD rate. You're having more injuries. Right. But let's say you're at a 0.84 EMOD mm-hmm. rate. Yep. This means you're paying 16% less. Mm. Than who? Mm-hmm. Than your competitor. Okay. So always remember, you're being compared to your competition. Okay. So that's really interesting. But when you look at the swing of the 1.16 to a 0.84, mm-hmm. that's... 35, 40 point swing right there. So, well, 32 point swing mm-hmm. in in premium. 
So that's a big deal. That's a lot of money. Absolutely. So the EMOD rate, maybe I oversimplify it, but that's the first thing right out the gate. You're compared against your competition. Anything over one means you're paying more. You're going to get, you know, extra fees, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're over one. But if you're under one, you're more marketable, you're more appealing, you're low risk, and the carriers are going to give you better pricing. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal. The mod rate is usually the first number we go after to, to lower. Uh, when we're talking about return on safety, what's your current EMOD rate? How do we get it down as soon as possible? So. Okay, great. So, I mean, clearly it would be a mistake to, you know, ignore your your EMOD rate there. But what are some other, you know, common safety mistakes that are costing businesses in terms of, you know, putting employees at risk and affecting the company's bottom line? Well, I think, you know, I, I live in small town you know, small town of Missouri and I watch folks drive and I watch business owners. I, I mm-hmm. watch these folks in, in small town that I'm at. And mm-hmm. I really think that with many, 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 I don't care if it's small business or large business. I just, I just see people and I watch human behavior and watch how people do things. I think our biggest mistake is complacency. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you've got a lot of folks out there, a lot of companies that, you know, true, they haven't had a lot of injuries um, right. or they may have not even had any. And mm-hmm. I think people get soft. I think they get lax and they don't really realize that, you know, at any moment something could happen and mm-hmm. that, that injury could be very costly. I mean, the average lost workday claim is what? 40,000, $45,000 now. That's a lot oh, of money. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think a lot of folks, I am a safety professional, uh, Justin, mm-hmm. you're a safety professional. There's a lot of safety safety pros out there that are schooled in safety. They're CSPs, they're ASPs, they're CIHs. Mm-hmm. We have been trained in safety. We fully understand safety, but we're only a very small, very small, tiny percentage of the working population. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of folks that don't understand safety. They don't understand what they need to do. Right. I think safety, uh, there's a mis- misconception that safety always has to be super duper complex. Uh, we try to make small business safety easy for folks. They're not easy, but less complex. So mm-hmm. I, I think you've got complacency. They've been lucky. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that folks really understand the need for safety in the first place. I think they re- rely too much on luck. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they take take things for granted. I think folks really do get complacent. They take every day for granted. Mm-hmm. I think they take their employees for granted. I know this because, you know, the business owners or managers or operations managers or whoever I'm dealing with within a company will say, well, my, you know, my company's too small. My people know what to do, you know, and mm-hmm. they make excuses. They make, make these excuses for avoiding their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, they make excuses for avoiding safety activities like safety meetings, safety mm-hmm. inspections. You mm-hmm. know, it's always it's always we're too busy, right? Um, right. and then not taking time to understand their insurance policy. Uh, mm-hmm. Just take a little extra time to to learn about what your carrier can offer you and how it can really keep you out of trouble and keep your costs down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, if I could interrupt you for just a second, mm-hmm. uh, so. Let's say that somebody wants to stop being complacent and uh, they really want to start evaluating the return on their uh, current safety investment and start to improve it. Improve it. So where should companies 
start? You know, they are, like you mentioned, very busy. So like, where should they start and what sort of metrics should they be looking at? We talked about EMODs, but anything else they should look at? Well, you know, if I were going to start today to start, you know, to look at what I could do to to improve the safety of my workplace, one of the first people I'm going to engage is my, my, my independent insurance agent. Mm. And I'm going to say, what do I need to do out here? And get them involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, second thing I'm going to do, second thing I'm going to do is say, what's the worst, what's the biggest hazard that my employees have to deal with? If it's a muffler and tire shop, it's going to be driving company vehicles. Mm-hmm. It's going to be working on tires where tires can explode. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm a framing contractor, it's going to be falls from ladders. I'm going to look at the big things. I'm going to look at my personal experience and say, how did I get hurt doing this job? You know, I'm uh-huh. running the company now, but back when I was doing the work, how did I get hurt? You know, right. And, and I'm going to just look at it from that outside in perspective. What's the main, what's the biggest problem here? What's the thing that keeps me up at night? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to engage my insurance agent and say, is there any research are there any resources that the carrier can give me or that I can, that I can, are there DVDs or videos? Is there anything online that I can find? You know, what do I need to do? If I'm going to have that five minute safety meeting, where do I start? So in, you know, in, in engaging the agency, engaging the carrier is a big deal, mm-hmm. but starting okay. from that worst first kind of philosophy, what is, what's the most likely thing that's going to get my, my people hurt. And then okay. just starting today, just, just get your people together and say, listen, you know, we may not be perfect, we're going to start making some improvements. We're going to make sure our fire extinguishers aren't blocked, making sure we've got a first aid kit, mm-hmm. making sure we we have some safety rules, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that our employees are actually wearing eye protection when they're using dangerous tools. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe some thoughts on that, Justin. All right. Great. So uh, you said like the biggest thing is to, you know, talk to your insurance you know, carrier, your workers comp provider. So what should companies be expecting from their workers comp provider? Uh, how can they get, I mean, sometimes they just think of it as just paying the bill every year, but how can they get the most out of the relationship? Well, that, that, you know, I would recommend get with your agent and, and chat with them about that. What, what things Mm -hmm. does the carrier provide to us? So many work comp carriers offer programs that support business safety efforts Mm-hmm. And to better manage or reduce work comp claim costs. So we have safety efforts. And then if an injury does slip through, how to better manage that injury. So my, my thing is you pay the carrier and the agency a lot of money uh, for these insur- different lines of insurance coverage. So make sure that you're utilizing these services. Uh, mm. Build a relationship with your agent and your carrier. Um, mm-hmm. You, you want to get that bang for your buck. You're paying a lot of money. So one of the things we think about is uh, like with MEM, with Missouri Employers Mutual, we have a thing called Safety Smarts, and that is a suite of safety and work comp services that we'll offer our customers. And just as mm-hmm. a couple of, I, couple of, for example, here we have medical bill repricing mm-hmm. uh, through our through our uh, our network of providers. We have telemedicine. Mm-hmm. We have nurse case management. Mm-hmm. We provide triage, mm-hmm. online safety resources, seminars, and on-site consultation. A lot of a lot of carriers will actually send a safety consultant out to your site. Hmm. So have them come out, mm-hmm. you know, have them come out and do a walkthrough. And then uh, we have a safety dividend program. Mm-hmm. So the more safety achievements that you have is that's going to result in um, like a uh, it's going to result in lowered premiums. Hmm. And then we have a safety grant program as well. If there's some technical equipment or safety equipment that you need to buy and 
we're willing to go in on, you know, and, and spend half, you know, provide you with half of the funds to get that. You know, it's it's a dollar. Oh, what do they call that? A, a matching matching funds grant. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh-huh. the safety grant, safety dividend program is a big deal. And, and carriers, many carriers have these programs. And to be honest with you, Justin, a lot of these programs are woefully underutilized. Uh-huh. So, you know, call into your carrier and just say, hey, I'm a small business. What is there anything you guys can provide me to help me do this? And they, they will. They'll have a lot. So, Right. So you can count on them to, you know... Uh, you know the safety professional is a busy a busy person so you know the insurance carrier should be able to help yeah that was that was kind of a mistake that i made as a safety director before i came to mem was i thought that i had to do it all myself mm-hmm. and that was a big mistake i should have engaged engaged the carrier you know and mm-hmm. uh and there you know I, I did at the end and it was really great because i had certified safety professionals backing me up and helping provide me with sample policies and procedures and resources and doing safety meetings for me. And it was, it was really good. So, Absolutely. so I, I highly recommend engage the carriers. So, all right. Well, this has been great, Mark. Uh, thanks very much for chatting with us today on EHS on tap and lending your insight into return on safety. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Justin. Thank you. You're welcome. And to our listeners, be sure to stay tuned to EHS on Tap and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor. To stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest and best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.